You are listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. We invite you to join us on the exciting journey of following Jesus and bringing the kingdom of God wherever we go. This episode was recorded at the Vineyard Nordic Summer Camp. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. So I'm going to make myself some t-shirts that says, I am friendly. If you look at me for longer than 10 seconds, I'm going to talk to you. So how's it been? How's it, how's it been? You know, coming to Europe, um, I was told before I, I moved to this country that, um, uh, Ricky, it's dark in Europe. You're going into a very tough nation. It's a post-Christian nation, and, and uh, it's not the same as South Africa. And I'm like, okay, post-Christian. Let me go, let me go and look that up. <laughs> what does that mean? Are they beyond Jesus? <laughs> so I came to Brussels, and uh, I said, Lord, I'm, I want to I wanna check this thing out for myself. I'm going, to, I'm going to see if, if what people have told me is really the truth. So I um, uh, did an experiment. I put on my biggest Mr. Bean. You know Mr. Bean? I put on my biggest Mr. Bean smile. And I decided that I was going to walk through Brussels smiling at people, and even if they thought I was crazy, I was going to greet every person that I, met, that I met or that I saw on the road that day. So I did it, beginning of my experiment. Um, uh, we went for a walk in the park, and uh, I put on a big smile on my face, and I said, hello. <laughs> Shell-shocked. <laughs> Did this guy just talk to me? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> hello? Uh, hello? <laughs> I want you to know that 80% of the people that I greeted that day greeted me back. The other 20% probably had headphones in, on. Because you know when a European doesn't want to talk to you. He's got headphones in his ears, he's got a hoodie on, and his head is stuck in a book. <laughs> So I decided I'm going to take my experiment a little bit further, and we got to this tourist attraction, right? And uh, I saw this guy sitting on a cannon. I'm like, okay, that looks interesting. So I, I walked up to him, and I introduced myself in my very broken French. Comment ça va? Je m'appelle Enrico Fenta, et toi? And then he says his name, and I'm like, enchanté. And that's the end of my French, <laughs> right there. That's it, I'm done. French is over, and he starts speaking to me in French, and I'm like, <laughs> just hang on, buddy, hang on. hang on, I actually can't speak a word of French. He laughs, and we get into a conversation, and I share Christ with him, right there, while he's sitting on the cannon. And I ask him, can I pray with you? And he says, of course you can pray with me, yeah? I prayed with him, he was open to hearing the gospel, he was open to being loved. He was open to being loved. 
he was open to somebody actually taking the time to ask him about his life. Somebody taking the time to, to, to step beyond themselves and to say, hey, you matter. And you matter to a God that loves you beyond anything that you could ever think or even dream or even imagine. And today, I'm just a messenger of that love. And when I walked away from him, I could see that this guy had a big smile on his face. He looked like Mr. Bean as well. <laughs> and I said, cheers, Patrick. And he said, cheers, Ricky. I hope we meet again. I said, come to our church. This is where we are at. And I wasn't even at the church yet. <laughs> I was here on, I was visiting. But we've called, we've been called to be countercultural. We have never been called as a church to imitate the culture that we're living in. We have never been called as a church to look like the world, to act like the world, to think like the world. We, we are kingdom people, amen? We have been called by Jesus, our home is in heaven. Our Father is the Lord of all, the maker of heaven and earth. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the one that we serve. His culture is the culture that defines my life. Not the culture of the world. And it doesn't matter, matter what culture we find ourselves in. Yes, we have to be sensitive to where people are at. But I want you to know that, that what we carry inside of our hearts can bring healing, can bring hope, can bring deliverance, can bring freedom greater than anything that we can ever think or even imagine. Guys, we carry an atomic bomb inside of our hearts. Just waiting for a place where it can go off. Looking for a place where Jesus can use me. Looking for a place where I can share his love, I can share his grace, I can share his mercy. We have to get over ourselves. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love power and of a sound mind come on that is who we are that is what we carry the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead lives inside of us man come on how exciting is that we carry the fullness of christ in our hearts <laughs> come on yes lord david said i'll become even more undignified than this I will leave my dignity at the door as long as I can please my daddy. As long as I can please my savior. <sighs> Somebody once said to me, Ricky, God folds what he finds. He folds what he finds. And if we had to describe God as a waterfall, what he what container are you going to bring to that waterfall? If you're going to bring a cup, you're going to get a cup full. But I'm a bit greedy. I'm hungry for the more of God. So I, I don't want to bring a little bucket. I don't want to bring a bath. I want to bring a big tank. <laughs> to that waterfall and I want to say Lord fill me because from my innermost being rivers of living water can flow 
And I'm trusting the Lord in this next season that the church of God, which is you, it's not that one and a half hour meeting that we have on a Sunday morning. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory, wherever you are. And I'm trusting in this next season that we as the, the body of Christ Jesus will shine wherever we are. It doesn't matter where we go, that people can recognize that what we carry on the inside of us can bring so much hope and freedom to them. Amen? Come on, I like that. And, and Fleming, you said these guys don't respond. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> so guys, tonight, um, uh, I don't have much more time. So I'm so excited that we've got young people that is going to be ministering, ministering with me tonight. We've got some of the young people that are going to be releasing grace tonight in this place. I'm so excited. When I see young people on fire for Jesus, my heart burns on the inside of me. Because young people that are passionate about Jesus are unstoppable. Do you guys remember Joan of Arc? Man, nobody can, could stop her because she had found her passion, her dream, her desire. Who's this little girl, that the, the European girl who is, is, is causing riots all over, environmental riots all over? What's her name? And how young is she? Come on. God is no respecter of age. He uses us where we are at. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, they were young people. There is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. So tonight, I'm looking forward to seeing these guys just releasing the grace and the gift that's upon their lives. And when we get to that place where we are going to be releasing them, setting them loose to just pray for you, I want to ask you to just say, yes, I receive, I'm ready, please pray for me. But as I was chatting, thinking about what am I going to talk about tonight, Fleming said, Ricky, share your story. And I said, I'd love to. So I'm going to share bits of my story tonight, if that's okay with you. And uh, I want to, I want to encourage you to be expectant. Because somewhere in there is something that the Lord wants to use to touch your life. You see, our places of brokenness, our places of woundedness are very often the same things that God uses to bring healing and freedom and deliverance to others. Somebody once said, in the places where Satan has wounded you, God gives you authority to bring healing to others. So tonight, as I, as I talk about my story, if you can relate to what, uh, to what I went through, and there's something in there that goes, hmm, I can relate to that. I want you to know that God wants to bring healing and deliverance to that place, and he wants to set you free, and then he wants to set you loose to go and deliver others. My story begins with the death of my father. I was 10 months old and he died. And my mother was broken. She was just devastated. And she would lie in bed every night crying herself to bed. And it, it had gone on for months and months and months. In fact, it had become so bad that my sister had to raise me because my mom just couldn't get over the grief of her husband having died. 
And my mom tells the story of how one day, while she was sleeping with me behind her um, in the same bed, a, a big white man appeared in her door. Now, this is apartheid South Africa, and uh, white men don't usually frequent the homes of colored or black people. <laughs> So, so, she, so I believe that that was an angelic visitation. And she actually says, she, said that she heard the words, go to the Nazarene church. Okay. And she woke up the next morning with this impression, I have to go to the Nazarene church. And her sisters take her to the movies that day, but she's so distraught. Because halfway through the movie, she runs out crying and she meets an old friend that she hadn't seen for years, and he stops and says, Mari, why are you crying? And she says, I need to get to the Nazarene church. I need to get to the Nazarene church. And, and he says, please stop crying. My wife goes to the Nazarene church. Hadn't seen her for 10 years. So my mom goes to the pastor's house, and she gets radically saved that day. To such an extent that my mom started living in the church. She became the Sunday school teacher. She became the choir director. My mom became the prayer ministry leader. My mom started preaching. My mom was involved in the church in everything. When I say everything, I mean everything. And of course, we get dragged along to church. Every week we get dragged along, and here I am, dressed in my little green suit with a red tie and a path. Man, I look like Donald Trump, I'm sure. <laughs> but because my mom was involved in everything, I had to be involved in everything, and my family had to be involved in everything. So now our whole family, we're all musicians because of my mom. We needed to sing, and we needed to be in the worship team, so my mom made all of us play instruments, and we did. So I, um, uh, I remember one story. Um, I got inv invited to a Pentecostal church. I was about nine, ten years old. Um, uh, and uh, I had my green suit on and my red tie. Come on. Um, and they asked me to sing on a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross. So I started singing. On a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross. And then I forgot the words. <laughs> God, all the words, and I started crying. And I, in my mind, I fake cried. I have, to, I have to admit, I was like, these people can't know that I forgot the words right now, so what do I do? So I just fake cried. <laughs> fake cried. And there was, this was a Pentecostal church. So in the front of the church, these old ladies in the front of the church, they got up, they were like, oh, shame, it's the spirit. It's the spirit. <laughs> it wasn't the spirit. It wasn't the spirit, it was me. It was me. You know what I learned through, through that saga in my mom's life is that God is close to the brokenhearted. Some of you might have gone through some excruciating pain recently. Some of you might be going through the pain of loss right now. But God, the Bible teaches us that God is close to the brokenhearted. He's there. 
If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of hell, you are there with me. So even though you might not see him right now, I want you to know that God is there and his heart is for you and he loves you with an everlasting love and he's ready to hold you, he's ready to comfort you, he's ready to tell you that you are going to be okay and he's ready to bring healing and restoration to that wound that you might have been carrying for the longest time. So I grew up in church and I wish I could tell you that growing up in church was all hunky-dory and amazing. I started leading worship at the age of 12 because my brother left um, the, the charismatic movement hit and uh, my brother left the holiness church that I was in. They went where the Lord was moving and I was left in this church where they didn't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I needed to learn the keyboard in one day. The Saturday morning, my, my, my brother-in-law came to me and said, Ricky, yeah, you have some notes. Your brother wrote these down. Um, uh, the first, the third, and the fifth note in the scale is a chord. My brother-in-law doesn't know anything about music at all. This was my brother explaining it to him. I had to learn a few songs that day to lead worship the next morning. I led worship in church the next morning, and by God's grace, I... I just continued, and at the age of 17, I remember I was, I had followed my brother to this charismatic church, and, um, uh, and uh, it was a Pentecostal church, I would say, and I'd followed my brother there, and I was leading worship one night, and my brother was playing the drums, and while they were leading worship, and while my brother was playing the drums, they stopped the service, and the pastor got up, and he called out my sister and her husband and another woman, and I was a bit confused. I was like, what? what, what's going on? And I find out while I'm on stage that my sister had had an adulterous affair. But this church that we belong to, they, they believed in, in, in public discipline. So she was basically named and shamed in front of the whole entire church. This is what she did, this is, and it was so, it was so filled with guilt and it was so shame-ridden that I stood on that stage and my heart was breaking for my sister and I was like, Lord Jesus, if this is the church, I don't want anything to do with the church. If this is how you treat your people, God, I don't want anything to do with this. I walked off stage at the age of 17 and I decided that I am turning away from, from, from this religion thing. And I started a life filled with mess. I got involved with, with every illicit thing that you can possibly think of. Went to university. I remember <laughs> my, I went to a, um, a university in Port Elizabeth and I remember going to one class to study law. I can still remember what, what, what they were taught that day, the Nascature fiction, the, the rights of the unborn baby in utero, and that was all I learned at university. <laughs> Nothing else. The rest of the time I spent in the cafeteria, smoking weed and playing pool. But then by God's grace, one of my teachers came and, and I got a, a scholarship or a bursary to go to university, to Rhodes University, one of the, the best universities in our, in our country. Hey, Dave, come on now, come on now, ex-Rhodian uh, ex over there. Yeah. 
And I got to go to, to this incredible, uh, incredible university. But it became even more of a mess. I just want to backtrack very quickly. I think very often we, we think because we are in church that we are Christians. Just because you go to church, somebody once said, doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a burger. It's like you can go to your garage where you park your car and you can go vroom, 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 but it won't turn you into a car whatsoever. You are what you are. Somewhere along the line, you need to have an encounter with the living God. Somewhere along the line, there's got to be a surrender. Say, Lord, come, live inside my heart, inside of my life. You know what I love about the vineyard is it's a safe place for you to explore. It's a safe place for you to find out what about this Jesus. It's a safe place for you to just be who you want to be. It's a safe place for you to put the mask down and to say, you know what, this is who I am, warts and all. I don't want to be in a church that is fake. Because fake stinks. <laughs> fake smells. I want to be in a church where people are real and I can, I can bleed and I can hurt and somebody's going to say, you know what, I love you with an everlasting love and God's grace is enough for you and I want to walk with you and I want to talk with you and I want to make space for you at my dinner table. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you are a Greek, a Jew, a Muslim, whatever you are, I'll make space for you in my heart because God's grace is enough for you. Amen? But somewhere along the line, there's got to be, Lord, come live in my heart. And I want to pray, if you're still on that journey, and this whole week you've heard the Lord nudging at you, and he's been nudging, and he's been dropping seeds into your spirit, into your heart, I want to encourage you tonight to take some risks, and to say, Lord, you know what, I don't have all the answers yet. These guys haven't answered all my questions yet, God, but I know that you are talking to me, I know that you are calling me, I know that this is where I belong, so I am going to make that step, and I'm going to say yes to you, and I'm going to become Come, a child of the Most High God. So if that's you tonight, I, I want to encourage you. Don't miss this moment. God is speaking to you. Hmm. So there I was living an illicit life. And uh, I remember one night, we... We're at a nightclub, um, and it was, it was about four, half past four in the morning. I used to wear a bracelet. You know these little bracelets, the WWJD bracelet? You know those bracelets? What would Jesus do? I was living far away from Jesus, but I, I would wear my WWJD bracelet. <laughs> And they didn't, and when my friends saw me, they said, there comes who wants Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> that was, 
That was me. Who wants Jack Daniels? Whiskey. So I remember I was in this club half past four in the morning and I was waiting because there was a DJ that would play one Christian song at the end of all of his sets. So it would be... Whole night, whole night. That was like, <laughs> and I'm like, come on. <laughs> Shaking it up in the club. Late, half past four. I waited around. There's nobody else on the, on the, there's nobody else there. And I walk up to the front because I know my Christian song is going to come. I want to hear my Christian jam, you know. And I walk to the front and it would be, Lord, I give you my heart. I give him my soul. And there I was, guys, in the middle of a club. And I was worshiping. I was. I would lift up my heart to the Lord because the truth was that even though I had walked away from God, God never walked away from me. He never walked away from me. The Bible says that he's married to the backslider. So his heart was consistently reaching out to me. And as I am lifting my hands in worship, I look to my right and I see... Another youth pastor. <laughs> and I look over, he was a youth pastor at one of, one of the big churches in our, in our city. And I'd known him because of some of the youth stuff that we'd done in the past. And I look over him and I'm like, over to him and I says, Johan. And he's, Ricky. So we, we hug and we embrace each other on the dance floor and you would think that things would change. No, we, we just started using drugs together. Yeah. Yeah. So there I was. Hanging out with Johan and one day he just disappears off the scene. I'm like, where's Johan going? My best friend, my buddy, the two of us would, would have deep conversations and he disappears off the scene for a while. And I'm like, where is your hun? Well, what's happened to you, hun? Um, uh, but I continue doing what I was doing because my heart was hard. My, my heart was hard. And then one day, we had invited this big top DJ, South African DJ, to come to Port Elizabeth. And we had hired these two security policemen to be the bodyguards for this top DJ that night. Now, the security policemen from, in South Africa were from the apartheid era. And these guys were known to be some of the most vicious policemen in our, in our police force. And we had invited these two to be the bodyguard for this DJ. And um, uh, while we were having our pre-party, because way back then it was a party before, your pre-party, it was the party, it was the after-party, and then it was the after-after party, right? So, so we had our pre-party, and as we're hanging with her in our pre-party, um, uh, things just started going horribly wrong. I remember that I was busy drying some cocaine over a, over a light bulb, and one of the policemen walked in. And he looked at me and he went, 
But what the hell is going on right here, right now? And it just became this thing. It became this thing, this whole thing just exploded and in the next minute they start taking out their guns putting their guns on the floor and they start wrestling on the floor and just in in a, in a couple of minutes the whole atmosphere just turned demonic if I, there's no other way that I can describe it and I was standing in this atmosphere and I felt no and I walked outside and I sat outside and I looked up at the heavens and for the first time in my life, I heard the Lord speaking to my heart and he said, Ricky, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And I got up. I didn't say goodbye to my friends. I just walked away. And this house that we were having this party in was in one of the main roads, Cape Road in Port Elizabeth. And, and as I walked out of the door of this house, your Hun came driving up in his little car and he stops his car in front of me and says, Ricky, I've been looking for you. I'm like, your Hun. And I thought, you know what, we're going to continue our, our drug use together. And he says, Ricky, God has changed my life. He has restored me. You need to come back to Jesus. He doesn't. He just gets right at me. And he's like, you need to come back to Jesus. This is not what you've been called for. This is not your destiny, Ricky. God has called you by name. You need to get out of where you're at right now. Come with me. I bought you a plane ticket. We are going, you're coming with me to Johannesburg. And, and, and we're going to live in this house where, where God's going to restore you like he restored me. And I said, no. <laughs> Hang on. Stop that bus. I'm not going on that bus. I had just heard God speaking to me a few seconds ago, guys. And I think sometimes we are very much like that. The Bible says, today when you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your hearts. I think sometimes we hear God's voice and we know that he's speaking to us about something. But our fears, our insecurities, they stop us from actually listening and obeying. So I went home and my mum and my sister jumped on me. Ricky, you need to come to church. Like, okay, what is going on? What is going on? And while I was at university, somebody had prophesied over my life, very accurate prophecy, and he told my mom, you have a son who is in pig land right now. You have a son that's a prodigal. He didn't know me from anywhere. And he said to my mom, don't worry, I have called him and he's going to do exactly what I am doing. And my mom called me one night while I was high as a kite. And she said, Ricky, somebody prophesied over your life and he said you're going to do what he does. I'm like, yeah, 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 that's nice. And the same guy was in town. So I decided, and they like ragging me, please, you've got to come to church. You've got to come to church. And I'm like, I'm not going. You have to come to church, Ricky. So I decided I am going to do, I'll go to church, but I'm going to go to church on my own terms. And I rolled the biggest joint that you can possibly think of. <laughs> and I smoked that joint all the way from home to church. All the way. And I rocked up at church. 
and it was the same church that I had left at the age of 17. It was a cinema. I was sitting in the back seat. There was nobody behind me. I found myself a little seat all the way in the back. And it was only my eyes sticking out. And he starts preaching. And halfway through his preach, he looks at me and he says, young man, at the back. <laughs> I'm high as a kite, guys. So I, I, look, I look behind me. <laughs> I knew there was nobody behind me. I, but I still looked behind me. And then he said, young man, at the back again. And I just went further down under <laughs> my chair. And he got off the stage. He walked halfway up the stage. And he says, young man. By this time I was praying. I hadn't prayed in a long time. <laughs> I was praying at that point, like, God help me. Help me, God help me. So he walks all the way to me and he looks at me and he has a word of wisdom. And he says to me, you play the keyboard. They don't know me from anywhere. And um, uh, I said, yes. And he says to me, I feel that the Lord is asking you to play your keyboard right now. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. He says, I feel the Lord is asking you to play your keyboard right now. So my mom taught me to be respectful to my elders, right? So I got up and I'm praying. I'm praying, I'm saying, God, please, 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 please. I don't say anything else, but please, 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 please. And I walk all the way and I'm standing behind the keyboard. And all I could think of at that point in time is that I have a whole bag of weed in my back pocket. And I have a box of matches in my back pocket as well. And all the musicians that are standing behind me, they all know that I've got weed in my back pocket right now. There was nothing spiritual about that moment at all. Nothing. And he looked at me and he said, prophesy to a generation. The last time I was in that church, I was leading worship. The last time I'd been in a church in any leadership capacity was on that stage. And now he's asking me to lead worship again. Okay, God, if I'm going to do this, you, you'll have to show up. So I, I put my hands on the keys. And as I put my hands on the keys, ooh, the power of the Holy Spirit touched my heart and my life right there and then. In a second, in a second, I was sober as a Lord. In a second in a second. And I started to, to prophesy. I started to prophesy. I started to prophesy. I started to play the keyboard and sing. And as I'm playing the keyboard and singing, young kids start walking to the front. 
They start walking to the front and they give their lives and their hearts to Jesus and they are, they are lying, they, 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 they're on the floor, lying on the floor, crying and I am crying, I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm like, ah, ah, and I'm playing and I'm singing and I'm like, what am I doing here? And God is moving by His Spirit in such an incredible way. I want you to know that some of us disqualify ourselves from being used by the Holy Spirit because we feel that we are not righteous enough yet. We feel that we don't have it all together as of yet. I want you to know that it's a lie from the evil one. God can use you where you are right now. God can use you for His glory, for His purposes. It's a lie. It's a lie to keep you in bondage. It's a lie to keep you held back from that which God has spoken over your life. I want you to know that God can use you where you are, right where you are. So I wish the story ended there and I came back to Jesus all amazingly. I went to, jo to Johannesburg, I got restored. It was incredible. Um, uh, Johan sent me the plane ticket. I eventually went. God restored me. I met my wife in Johannesburg. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You better believe it. One thing, when I, when I, when I went to my wife to tell her that um, I was interested in her, she told me, um, uh, that's nice. Um, uh, but the man that I am going to date is the man I'm going to get married to you. I'm like, okay, that's a bit of pressure. <laughs> I'm, uh, but you can be my friend. Like, oh, I'm in the friend zone. <laughs> I am in the friend zone. I am in the friend zone. But I, I persisted. I said, you know what? I'm going to be the best friend you have ever had. Yeah? So for some of you that are, are wanting a wife right now, the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Stop praying and go finding. <laughs> Find yourself a wife. And I decided, I decided I am going to be the best friend that she could ever be. And whenever she went to the lake, I took my guitar along with me. <laughs> I'm going to the lake. I'm coming. Just going to get my guitar. And uh, I played David Gray. If you want it, come and get it. For crying out loud. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I won her over in time, guys, and it's the best decision that I've made in my entire life, 17 years ago, and going strong. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. So I, I want to I bring this to a close tonight, and uh, I just want to tell you, so I, I got back into ministry, but I didn't really like the church. I got back into ministry, but I didn't really like the body of Christ because of what had happened to my sister. I was still carrying this residual pain, this residual hurt in my life because of what had happened back then. So I got back into church, and I was a youth leader, and I was leading a youth in, the, in, in one of the, in the gang areas of Port Elizabeth, and it was growing, and it was going well, and, and I was singing all over the place with our band, UWJ. Fill me, come and fill me, come and take your place inside of me, yeah, Lord Jesus, 
You have set me free. Come and take your place inside of me. You can feel me. Man, it was amazing. We were rocking it for Jesus. Young people were getting saved. My wife was like the dancer, doing her thing. I was the lead singer. It was incredible. Kids were coming to know Jesus, but I didn't like the church because I was hurt. I was disappointed. And one day, after a particularly disappointing time, I stopped just being part of church. And I was a Christian DJ at that point in time on radio. On radio. Enjoying it, enjoying it, having fun. And my wife started going to this church around the corner from where we lived. And I was in a bad state. I didn't want to go to church. And my wife started going to a little vineyard church just around the corner from where we live, where Dave Pedersen is the pastor. Um, uh, and... Uh, she came home one day with a card, a little blue card. Um, uh, she, the pastor of the church said that um, he must come and visit him. He must come and see him. Um, uh, and I took the card. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I chucked it in there. Yeah, I chucked it over there. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, man. But my wife persisted, and one day I rocked up at church, and the church was going through one of the most difficult things the church had gone through ever. And uh, in that time, one of the youth, youth leaders in the church had, had fallen into adultery as well. And I rock up at the church when this is happening. My sister, a church where this same thing has just happened. So I sat on the edge of my seat wanting to see how these people were going to handle this mess. Wanting to see how these people would handle the pain. And what I saw that day, the grace, the love, the genuine brokenheartedness of the people that were dealing with the situation really made me, made me love church again. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And I didn't stop coming to church since that day, Dave. Since that day. The Lord called me back into the ministry, restored my life, restored my heart. I uh, started pastoring with Dave. And now we're here in Europe. Little African boy. In the heart of Europe with a big Mr. Bean smile. <laughs> saying, Jesus, use us for your glory. Use us for your purposes. We want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see his kingdom come. We want to see him, him, him moving amongst us in incredible ways. We want to see the young people empowered and filled with passion and hunger and be like a pack of wolves going around our, our cities and laying their hands on anything that moves and telling them that Jesus loves you and he's got a plan for your life and prophesying not just in church on a Sunday but prophesying in the metro, prophesying at school, prophesying to their parents and to their friends and to their families 
and living this Jesus life with abandon because what we have, the gifts that God has given us is not just for that one and a half hour meeting. We are the church and we are meant to take the church into the world, guys. And that's what we're here for. So I'm excited about this next season. I feel that the Lord is going to do something in Europe in this next season that's going to blow your mind. I feel that the Lord is going to bring another awakening to this country. He's going to bring another awakening to this country. He's going to bring another awakening to the country. I want to prophesy tonight that revival will come to this country again. And this label of post-Christian country will be removed from Europe. And they will say, once again, Europe is the light of the world. Once again, once again, once again. But it starts here. Lord, send revival, but start with me. You have been listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. For more information, please visit the Vineyard Nordic's website, vineyardnordic.org.